What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are back and talking hardcore. You know what's up. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving just passed. Just want to take the time out to thank everyone that has supported this podcast. It is episode 150, which is kind of wild. Time flies. We never missed a week. And it's been lots of hard work plugging away and and just sticking to it. This is a group effort. So thanks to everyone who helps out with the pod, who supports the pod, and especially the uh, the Patreons who really do keep this thing alive. Uh, couldn't do it without their support. So uh, that's that. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you can rate it and review it, I do not know why it matters, but it does. So it matters to me. Also, on the website, 185milesouth.com, there's a playlist link at the top, and we make a playlist for every episode just so you guys can check out the music that we talk about. That's what it is all about, the music. That's what's up. Also, on the website, smash that Patreon button. These people do keep the podcast alive. But, uh, yeah, let's get on with the pod. Vocal Test Karaoke. Fred Hammer from It's Alive. Hundred and eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. Introducing first, the challenger fighting out of the hard corner. He dove on your head to powerhouse. Now he can sell you a condo or a house. Representing the San Ramon Mush Crew from San Ramon, California, it's Jeremy Lux. And his opponent, fighting out of the core corner from parts unknown, weight unknown. Reason he didn't pick minor threat in the straight edge Super 7, unknown. It is the reigning... Defending undisputed 185 miles south trivia champion of the world, 
Daniel, these questions are too easy. Sand. All right, and the first question goes to Jeremy Lux. Jeremy, which type of gimmick pro wrestling match is depicted on the cover of Powerhouse Pandemonium? Is it A, Steel Cage, B, Battle Royal, C, Texas Death Match, or D, Dog Collar Match? The answer is B. B, Battle Royal. You are correct. A point, yeah. Jeremy Lux. Yeah. They, we, they don't need the A, B, C, Ds. Battle Royale should be enough. Like, he should know that anyway. I did. Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I let him finish. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Here we go. Dan, with your first question. A light bulb and the singer of the exploited could both be described as this. <laughs> Watty. A point to the champ. <laughs> point to the champ. All right, we go to Jeremy for your second question. A long high sea wave caused by an earthquake and also an ass beater band from the bay. <laughs> what a tsunami. A point to Jeremy. No T. <laughs> oh, yeah. One point five points to Jeremy and a shout out to Bedge's article. <laughs> All right, Dan, we go to you for your second question. The first step hails from which state? Hint. Woo! Carolina. Where okay. in North Carolina specifically? Uh, Cap- no, not Chapel Hill. Where do they? Nope. God, I, uh, we played there. Rally for the steal. Boom. But the question was a state, so the champ gets it. Yeah, but I wanted extra points. I feel you. I but feel you. It's uh, it's two two going into the third round, Jeremy. Oh, Dan, you're gonna love this one. We're we're moving to the DVD era of the greatest uh, series of compilations. <laughs> Jeremy, AFI has a video on the Cinema Beer Nuts video compilation for the song "He Who Laughs Last." Okay. At the beginning of the video, the character says. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be what? A gangster. Uh, say the answer one more time. A gangster. We go to Daniel for the potential steal. Daniel, AFI w- has a video on the Cinema Beer Nuts video comp for the song He Who Laughs Last. At the beginning of the video, the character says, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be what? A punk rocker. No points this round. It is in a hardcore band. Oh, even stupider. <laughs> it's not the best. I will say that. <laughs> Jeremy right. quoted the film correctly. Yeah. No, but, I know. That is the film. That's yeah. And that's why it's, it's a knockoff of the film. All right, Dan, your question number three. A Stalag 13 12-inch, an agnostic front song, and also an Oxnard band that released two LPs on Indecision Records in the early 2000s. In Control. Point to the champ. How about that? All right. Uh, this might ruffle Dan's feathers, but uh, we got to go anyway. Jeremy, round number four. Jeremy, which mosh crew brings it the hardest? Is it A, Danville, B, Livermore, C, Pleasanton, or D, San Ramon? San Ramon mosh crew. Come on. Come on. Jeremy. Well, actually, that's factually incorrect. The Danville mosh crew just repping the Grange. Just smashing mm. fools. Interesting. Interesting you say that. <laughs> All right, let's go to Dan. Mosh crew members actually went lived in Danville. So there was there was a there was a gray area. 
<laughs> Let's throw the question out. Uh, <laughs> nope. It, it, it stands. Uh, Dan, your question number four. What is the last name of the singer of the offspring? And all, okay, this is, uh, let me, it's all fucked up. Come on, let me see the question. It's cute. (laughs) The last name of the singer of the offspring and also the country where funeral oration hails from. (laughs) Holland, AKA the Netherlands. There you go. Point to the champ. Okay. Jeremy, round number five. According to a hood song off the Alone EP, this time when you die, the singer will feel what? Nothing. Point to Jeremy. Uh, can I take a point away? <laughs> For what? You asked me that the first time I played the trivia. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. I have your I have your old ones here. I've been robbed. And I've been repeated. So I'll take what I can. Oh, you're incorrect. Your your Hood's question on the first trivia was, according to the first Hood's LP on Victory Records, what is the destroyer? Oh, that is time. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So I'll take the point back. Go ahead and take that point away from him. We should, we should take the point for questioning yeah. the quiz master. I'm not an extra point for being honest. I'm like, I should get the point for being the ref right there. I thought Ben would be on top of that. Oh, okay. he turned out when we said Hood's. <laughs> That's true. Ben went to pee. <laughs> he did leave the room. <laughs> All right, I'm, Dan, I'm, uh, I have diarrhea. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm, that sounds like a song on cinema beer goggles. Okay, or at least depicted in a video. Right, Dan. Your question number five: True or false? On the back cover of the Sick of It All LP, "Blood, Sweat, No Tears," both both the bass player and the guitarist have facial hair. The bass player and the guitarist of Sick of It All in that era both do have facial hair. They at least have mustaches. Pete might have a coatee. Um, I'm going to say true. Point to the champ. Yeah. He is the champ for a reason, people. Jeremy, we go to you for round number six. True or false? The cover of the Bad Brains Roar tape shows a lightning bolt a lightning bolt striking the White House. False. A point to Jeremy. All right. It is striking the Capitol building. That's right. But that's one that could fuck you. It sure can. I know. <laughs> All right, You're Ben. You're thinking of uh, <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Dan. Here's your question number six. Uh, this Pennsylvania band shares a name with a song off Jizza's LP Liquid Swords. Cold World. A point to the champ. Okay. Ben, let's go to you for the subtotals. All right. Jeremy has five points, and the reigning champion, Dan, has six points. So it's anyone's game. That's right. And let's take it to the final round. All right. So, Jeremy, you have five points. How many of those five do you want to wager on this daily double round? Three. Okay. Jeremy's going to wager three. And, Dan, how many of your six points do you want to wager? Please wager three. I'll wager two. Okay. 
And here we go. I got to hit the yellow button. Jeremy, this is yours. <laughs> and I'm supposed to guess what that what he just said. Yes. Yeah. I can I can play it as many times as you want. Here One we go again. Times. I'm going to play it 3 times in a row. Okay. You look around. No, he actually says, heard it all before. No, get what? the No. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. No, you hear around, don't you? Do it one more time. You're fucking with me. No. Heard it all before. Everyone sing along. No. 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 <laughs> he definitely doesn't say before. Yes, he does. Listen. Heard it all before. Oh, my God. There, dude. <laughs> yep. It's right He's there. not making the F sound in before. He's not going, f, f. He's going, heard it all, but ow. <laughs> that was a good rendition. I like how progressively every one we do with these, Ben is getting more and more in a to-life mentality. <laughs> <laughs> if they're really growing on me. I think they're they're fast becoming my favorite hardcore band of all time. All right, Dan, let's go to you for years. Here we go. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Three times in a row. Here we go. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, I spoke over it. All good. I'm going to give you a hint that won't help you at all. What he's saying bears no resemblance to what it sounds like he's saying. Oh, God. Can I hear it one more time? Of course. Here we go. (sighs) One more time. I know it. <clears throat> no, you don't. No, I'm saying that's what he's saying. I oh. know it now. I know it now. A noble effort, but he says, truth comes with time. Let's listen. <laughs> Everyone sing along. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And truth does not come with time, because I tried to listen to that. Ten times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh and let's go to you for the totals. All right. Uh, Jeremy started the round with five points. He wagered three, and he did not get this uh, audio clue correct because no one does ever, ever, ever. So five <laughs> minus three equals two. Jeremy ends the uh, game with two points. Dan started the round with six points, wagered two, didn't get it correct because no one ever does. Six <laughs> minus two equals four. Dan walks away with four points and the crown and the belt. He is still the champion. Yeah, Jeremy, you jobber. Get to the back. Go, <laughs> go clean up the, the changing rooms. <sighs> go speak to nice guy Tony and cry some more. <laughs>
<laughs> nice guy, Tony. Voice guy, Tony. Oh, that's what I meant. But he's a, he's a nice guy too. He's a very nice guy and and, and painfully handsome. Yeah. You know. Uh. Anyway. All right, noble effort, Jeremy. Thank you. Congrats, Dan, on another epic win. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. Uh, thank you know, Jeremy. Better luck next time, kid. Fuck off. <laughs> What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are talking hardcore, helping out. You know him, you love him. It is the best dressed man on the pod. It is Daniel Sant. What's up, Dan? You're twisting my melon, man. Also helping out, it is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? I'm glad this is audio only because I'm having a bad hair day and I'm wearing my own band's t-shirt. <laughs> what happened to what's going on, dude? You, you, you swooped that line back from Daniel Sant, and now you don't say it. I'll say it next time. All right. Well, right on. Also helping out, it is the mighty, mighty Posse Chris. What's up, Chris? What's going on? That's right, dude. Put some respect on Ben's friend's name. What's up? All right. Well, we wanted to do another one where we talk about some stuff that we want to get highlighted. So for this segment, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going first, dude. So what's up? I wanted to talk about the new punitive damage songs that came out is three new songs that are going to be a seven inch. I think the pre-order is up. So follow punitive damage, wherever you do on the internet and order that thing. I'm holding out until they put all their songs on a 12 inch. Cause that's what's up. I hate flipping a seven inch. Yeah, I'm going uh, to pre-order it. Well, Dan's the one true the, American hardcore hero. So one of the colors are sold out already. So got to get on that other, the second one. I know. Get on it. Get on the second rarity if you want to uh, flip it in five years for 60 bucks. But uh, yeah, like I love these songs. I love that like Peanut Damage drops like I feel like three or four songs every year. And it's like I'm waiting for them and then they come and they always deliver. You know, again, props to Chris for turning me on to this band. He turns me on to every good band that I like. And uh these three songs like do not let up at all. Like they're exactly what I needed. You know, uh, the first song legacy is just a full on like D beat banger. And it's not just like generic D beat. They do like lots of chokes and stops, to, like keep it interesting. And all these songs, like this one clocks in it under a minute. So it's like, fuck dude, just straight rager. The next one, the red surge song, like we're coming in now with a mid tempo banger. And it's, it's sick. Cause it's like over a youth group beat, but it just sounds like, so burly because Steph's vocals are like out of this world shredded in like the most perfect monotone way. It's like, I love listening to it. It sounds like it's just another instrument in the band almost so brutal and awesome. And then, uh, yeah, they do like these powerful cymbal ring outs on the song. And I think that like what makes this band so special, they kind of do it on the next song as well, because like it's a faster song and they go into this big buildup at the end. And, uh, you think like a big mosh part's coming, but it never comes. And I think that partially it's like what makes this band so special is like, they're leaning more into like that early SSD vibe where everything is like the punctuation on like the percussion and really like just building this energy and power instead of like falling into like typical tropes of hardcore, even though they're not really ba- breaking any boundaries. It's just interesting the way they lean. And I think it adds so much power and fury to this band and really makes it stand apart. Chris, how did you feel about these new songs? It's funny. You said like almost everything that I, that I was going to say exactly word for word. Uh, I think the first thing that stands out, this is three songs in under three minutes. 
Um, so you got 259 seconds of absolute ragery. Uh, <laughs> Steph's voice, like you said, is just like another step more gnarly than the last record. Um, all three of these are great songs. Like they're, they're each a little bit different, which is cool. Like it, it mixes things up a little bit. And then I think my favorite is the third one, which is strike back. Um, it's just like, so it starts out with the verse, which is fast, but it's like, <laughs> this makes sound contradictory, but it's, it's super sing alongable, even though I don't know what the first lyrics are. Like it keeps re- <laughs> repeating, like it'll do something, something then for what something, something for what? I don't know what the something, something is. I'll have to wait till I get that, that lyric sheet, but it makes the verse kind of even more sing alongable than the chorus. Um, and the chorus is, is, you know, mid tempo. So it breaks it up. And then, you know, I put down the same thing that you did on, on the breakdown is not even really just a breakdown. It's just like a long buildup that doesn't like a fake out almost, but to me, it kind of reminds like the way the vocals are over this, the build kind of reminds me of, um, kind of has like youth of the today vibes, but I love it. Love the seven inch, love this band psyched to get the records. Yeah. I think the only thing they're teasing me on here is like, cause yeah, like the, the last song, the strike back is pretty fast and it would be a fast song for a normal band, but like, there's not like the hyper speed rager on this one. And it's like, I'm waiting for it. But it's nice. It's like these songs don't give it to me, but I know they're going to give it to me because they give it to, to me before, you know? So I'm excited for it. Dan, what do you think about this? Anger personified, uh, fucking amazing, straightforward, brutal, hardcore. Um, her voice is incredible. Um, I want to see this band really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, I, I love it, and I am checking out right now, buying the second press of the first seven inch and this seven inch right now, as we speak. And someone put them all on one twelve inch. God damn it! You could fit them all on one side too. That would be the illest. You know, I can't wait. Ben, what do you think about this? Uh, the music sounds like hardcore played by people who wear a lot of spikes but still love breakdowns. Even though I don't think there's a breakdown on this, like there is, seven inch. you talked about it. It's oh, either yeah, the, yeah. Well, it's either the second or the third song. No, okay, the second song you could say the chorus is a break, or the third song you say like the chorus is kind of breakdowny. Yeah, right? there's like temp, there's tempo the second, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's tempo changes, but it doesn't give you like the 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 slammer, you know. But yeah, all right, fair right enough. On. That's right, fair enough. What's up? All right, Dan, let's go on to your choice. Uh, the Down and Outs, their album from 2004. Uh, go ahead and say what it is. Uh, it's called The Boys from the Black Stuff, which they're a Liverpudlian band. Um, and The Boys from the Black Stuff was a um, UK TV show set in Liverpool during Thatcher era of joblessness. And it followed a bunch of Liverpudlians. And the sample at the beginning of the first song is uh, from the TV show. I fucking love this band a lot. There's three different singers, so you get three different um, vocals on this LP. Um, the, the person who sings the first song, which is my favorite of all their songs, um, it, his name was The Ego. <laughs> like, like That's all I've known 
him as that was his nickname. He also did kind of a Brit poppy band around the time, apparently, or Libertines ish. And then um, Mark is the main driving uh, force of the band, and he is the singer on most of the songs. And then Kev, uh, who also sang in a brutal northern straight edge band called Seconds Out. Uh, is the guitar player and the third singer who has the most like raspy, uh, aggressive sounding voice out of the three. Um, I absolutely out round one. That's right. I absolutely love this band. Um, they're the perfect mix of, of, um, coming from a UK heritage that, so, you know, there's a little bit of oi in there, but they obviously love, Kid Dynamite and um, Rancid just as much as um, what is being expressed, you know, subconsciously through their uh, makeup. The backups are placed in really cool ways. Um, shout out Mark Boardman. Some of them are a little bit off tune and that makes them even cooler. Um, I really love it. And I, I just wanted to bring it up on the pod because I would love people to check this out that would it would never come across the dial in in 2021 you know and i i think if we've got chance to give things that we've enjoyed for many many years a chance like for someone else to give it a listen that's why i'm doing it first off a band name like that band name seconds out that is so brilliant dude what a great band name but uh chris you love street punk how does this stack up to the stuff that you love I'm super hyped that you picked this one, Dan, because I love this record too. Like it stands the test of time. Uh, you know, we played with them back, you know, right around the time that this, this came out and uh, it was, you know, I had never heard them before and it was like, Whoa, this is, this is cool and different, you, you know, different from, they stood out on a hardcore, you know, an all day hardcore show basically. And, um, you know, picked up the record, love the record, still play it to this day. I think, you know, Dan did a good job, you know, explaining the the sound, but there's a lot of coxbar in there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think mostly in the vocals, I think, because the dudes, uh, the, you know, one of the singers, the one that I think probably sings the most. The first like, one. Kind of a, like, a, yeah, a little bit higher of a voice, a la coxbar. Um, but you know, this doesn't sound like hardcore kids playing punk. Like it sounds like, like legit punk, uh, which is, is kind of cool. Um, my favorite track on this is track four, another night alone. Um, I've put this on many mixtapes that I've made over the years. It's just One, such two, a cool- <laughs> three, four. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a cool song about, you know, being stir crazy stuck at home alone, you know, you can't get a hold of your friends to come hang out. So, you know, your record player is, is keeping you company and that's kind of the vibe of the song. And they even drop a kid dynamite reference in the song. Um, but I love this, like definitely highly recommend checking it out to anyone that hasn't. And there's still a band. They released a song like a single this year, um, which is also pretty awesome, but yeah, and Mark um, did a few like live stream, like Instagram lives, where he would do like acoustic down and out sets during the like the main pandemic, where everyone was like still staying at home another night alone. That's cool, Dan. 
Do you mostly love this because it's British, though? Because like, if this came out on like Pirates Press last year, would you love it as much? No, I would really love it. But the thing that made me love it more than anything is when Over My Dead Body played Manchester. They played with us, and you know, playing all across Europe with like local bands being on shows and stuff. And then this band plays, and they were fucking incredible um, live. They they, and and the the audience like absolutely loved them. So I was in love from the first. You know, they opened with the boys from the black stuff that song, and just like it, it, it sat with me so much more. Also, it. I mean, they're essentially from close to where I'm from, and they're singing about growing up uh, on that song in particular, growing up in Thatcher's Britain, and it just. It really registers with me, but I, I I do appreciate the question because you know I you know sometimes I will <laughs> vote for something a little bit more on on those realms, but not not this. And I think you know you should sit with it a little bit more because I think it's right up your alley too. No, I enjoyed it upon first listen. It sounds good. It sounds like you know like good street punk, you know, and and all the guys have pretty good voices. So the only thing I would say is just being a UK band and having a song called boots and braces is a little sus, you know, like I would have rather had them like title that song. Ian Stewart ate a steering wheel in Derbyshire or something. <laughs> in Blackpool. <laughs> Was it Blackpool, not Derbyshire? I think it's Blackpool. Wasn't he driving home from like, and uh, who cares? Rest in piss. Curtis. That's right. <laughs> I mean, rest- it's uh, Ian. That's right. Uh, ben, how do you feel about this? I, I totally got the Coxbar thing too right away. And maybe a little bit of does any is anyone else familiar with the band Vanilla Muffins? I think they're a, a band from Switzerland. No one else knows of this band. They're like No. Yeah, I've heard they're 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 very melodic. They're like if you took oi and pushed it to its most melodic to the point where it's not not even oi anymore it's just whatever you'd call that and then make melodic street punk um like power pop punk <laughs> yeah but 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 really similar to this like anthemic street punk with people who are skinheads who are fans a lot of them i guess the guy who got me into vanilla vanilla muffins is a skinhead and um at times i even hear Dillinger four in this band, and I'm referring to the songs that Patty sings for Dillinger four. Um, so, um, I I don't. Th- I guess my com- only complaint is that the album is really long for for a punk record. I mean, it's like 40 minutes, which is like normal for a regular band's record, but <laughs> for for punk, we're so used to short bursts. Um, and and. I know this is not an A side versus B side thing, but I would pick the A side over the B side if it were. Does does uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, I I liked that you brought up the D four because I was listening to this in my car today, and there was one song that I swear the chord progressions were the same, like from the verse to the chorus, and it's it's the first song on uh, on Midwestern songs. Like, there's a song on here that has like the same exact stuff, but it's a little slower. Like, it's not as like, you know, D4 does that up-tempo, like, pulsing music. 
And yeah, it was like that. And then talking about like the backups being like not, a, not completely on tune, you know, another D four thing. Like, yeah, there was a song that really, really leaned into that. Yeah. And I, I would have, my guess is that it's a coincidence, but being that now I know that they are fans of kid dynamite. I think it might not be a coincidence. Cause I didn't know that these guys were fans of American punk as well as, British punk. What what is the Kid Dynamite reference? I, I totally missed it. There's a line where he says, uh, "What is it?" So I'm sitting alone, just getting fat with Kid Dynamite on for a fucking blast. Oh, they even he wow. names Kid Dynamite. Just okay, name checked them right on. Yeah. Well, Ben, let's go on to yours. Uh, go ahead and it's Jade Dust, but they put out a new record, which is called Six Track EP. And it is a 12 inch and it is six tracks. If you can believe that. Um, I think that it's a pre the pre-orders up. I don't know the estimated date that, well, does anyone know the estimated date when anyone will ever get a record again? I mean, but hopefully you'll get it before 2023. Yeah. This is on streaming though. It's on the streaming services. So check it out. Um, The J dust are from Portland, Oregon, and they're like a revolution summer style band, like melodic mid tempo, lots of chorus on the guitar. Reminds me of bands like Embrace, Rain, and and Ignition, all of Zach's favorite Discord bands. Um, that the uh, song Signal Towers totally has that vocal pattern that you hear in "Give Me Back" by Embrace, um, where it's like play, 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 play. It's like wait, I heard that in an Embrace song. But they do it really well, and uh, Rudy uh, J- Young and Chris Dupree. I knew knew them when they lived in Santa Barbara, and then they moved up to Portland. Uh, and they've been in a bunch of bands throughout. They, they were in a band called Become before this, which is very similar. But Jade Dust is, um, I think, an improvement over that band. And Jade Dust is actually a reference to another Discord band. There's a song called Jade Dust Eyes by shudder to think so that's so it you know there are lots of they 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 want you to know if you know you know basically and and they even have a song called embrace the hours so there you go the name of the band uh, embrace in one of their song titles and um learn to scream has this cool like punkified version of the main rift for dazed and confused by zeppelin or paranoid by sabbath like but like done way faster so they, they're throwing all kinds of fun stuff in this uh in the tracks and and rudy doubles his vocals in certain parts and i'm a fan of that i like it when when that happens like when you're trying to accentuate a part of a song so you double your vocal just on that part and then you go back to the single vocal um and then the record cover looks really cool too. It's like a multi-paneled comic book art. As some people would call it, graphic novel art. You know, it's like the the adult way of saying you read comic books. I I read graphic novels. <laughs> oh man, there's a difference. The graphic novel. Yeah. Um this is like some of my least favorite type of music in the world. But one thing I really like about this band is the songs are short, so it's not like they're trying to be all heady on you. Like, oh, like you just don't get it, man. Like they're they're creating these small little palettes of music, which is like really nice. Like I appreciate that they can like 
do these concise pieces of art. Like that's cool. Even though it's just, it's really not my thing. Although I would say that song, uh, jam master. I don't know. How would you pronounce that Ben? Yeah, it's, it is jam master, but he, Rudy misspelled it, I think accidentally. And they just kept the misspelling. Yeah. Like that song kind of brings the heat, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, you're seeing like an emo band at like a, a house show. And then like they hit this one on and, you know, you kind of like start a pit with your friends and then some PC dude comes out and yells at you and <laughs> you feel awkward. And then after they play, like he comes and gives you like a, a one page flyer about freeing Mumia. And you're like, dude, yeah, free him. Like, I don't even care if he's guilty or not. Like let him out, you know? And then totally. you feel awkward. And that guy like stares at you every time you go to a show there and makes you feel bad. And this is not a, a true story, but it could have happened. And, uh, but yeah, this is cool. I think we talked to them before and they seem like they're really good at what they do. I just, I don't like the style of music. So it's hard for me to like really break it down. Dan, how do you feel about this one? I fucking love this. I really love it. Um, it is sitting in, in a perfect spot just outside of embrace a little bit dagnasty. Um, and but a lot of their own stuff. I love the way the vocals sound. I love that there's again, you know, following on from the down and outs. There's a element of occasionally where it it isn't the most perfectly like on key on tune thing, and it makes it have so much more character. Um, the Jam Master song is my favorite because if that riff was being played like or recorded a different way with different vocals, like that's slam fest 89, you know? Um, I really, I loved all six songs. I can't wait for more from this band. Um, this surprised me because sometimes I have, you know, Zach doesn't like this style. Sometimes I have fatigue of, of stuff that's, you know, lately I, I find myself liking, just the real pocket of things that I love the most and, you know, will listen to other things as the one listen or the two listens um, and then kind of go back to my, like, pocket of things just in the last couple months. And this has just expanded the pocket, made me want to listen to this uh, again. I listened to it three times in the build-up to this just today alone, and I really loved it. That rules. Chris, how do you feel about this? I like it too. Um, you know, I was hyped on the demo and it's cool to see them or the demo, or I guess they have two demos, right? Hyped to see them build on, you know, that momentum. And, and, you know, some of those songs are on this, I believe, uh, really hyped to see them. Uh, we're playing with them on December 4th. So, um, it's just, I don't know, especially for a band like this, um, the live thing can, can really kind of like take it up to the next level. So I'm psyched to see them. I think, you know, if fans of revolution summer stuff will, will dig this. And I think, you know, fans of current bands along the lines of like praise or bent blue uh, bands like that, I think will like it as well. The artwork totally rules. It was done by Eric Himley who did the change LP artwork and a few other things for change. He did the, the lathe cut, which is like the close up of my hand playing guitar. Um, and 
he did a flyer for the weekend that we're doing with FOM and, and Punity. And uh, he's just an awesome artist, great, incredibly nice person. And yeah, I'm just hyped to see this. I think it looks really cool. Chris, is the hand art the thing that Marlon had framed? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's super ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that oh, was no. a lathe cut. Uh, awesome. Okay, Chris, let's move on to your choice, which uh, is the band Demand. Um, is this their demo? It is. Yeah. So this is a new band. Um, Brad Hyra, who played in Trapped Under Ice, Worn Thin, um, Line of Judah, some other bands. This is his new band. You know, I was... It, <laughs> So the way that I learned about this band, I was, when I go trail running, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and I was listening to Forum of Passion while I was out running around Mount Rainier and uh, Brad, Brad Hyro was the guest on it. And he was talking about this new band that he was doing uh, with Sarah from Firewalker and Stuck Pigs, uh, Zek from uh, Assassinato and some others. And the way that he described it got me really hyped because he said, that they're going for kind of that late eighties California hardcore sound. Like, um, you know, he name dropped, uh, nemesis records. Uh, I think they cited like hard stance and against the wall, stuff like that. And then, um, Ace also mentioned that he heard like hints of only the strong comp on it. So I was like in the middle of the woods, you know, with no reception. And, um, I think after I got back to reception, the first thing I did was I hit you guys up. Cause like, I knew I knew with that like description of like Nemesis Records and only the strong that this was one that we're probably going to be hyped on. Um, but then I think the next thing I did after that was I texted Brad and was like, "Hey, what's what's the scoop on this? <laughs> what was that snare? <laughs> Someone's hi hatting it up." Um, the next thing I did was I texted him and asked him like, Hey, what's the scoop on this new band? When are the tracks going to be up? And, um, he actually sent me the songs at that point, but he sent them to me from his phone. So they were like super compressed. And, and I told him like, Hey, I, I think that these songs got compressed when you sent them on the phone and he's like, Oh, sorry, I must've sent you the wrong one. So he sent them to me again and I checked them out again and they were still compressed. So I was like, I'm starting to kind of worry like, Oh crap. Is that what it sounds like? Is that, is it actually just a really bad recording? So I didn't say anything back to him. You know, I was like, cool. Like, like even though like it sounded horrible, like the songs sounded really cool. So, you know, fast forward a couple, like a month or so later when they actually posted them, I was really relieved that it, it sounded awesome. Um, <laughs> But I love this demo. It's like, uh, you know, one of my favorite kind of newer things that have come out this year. Um, unfortunately, it's not on, on Bandcamp yet. Or sorry, it's not on uh, Spotify yet. It's only on Bandcamp. Um, by the time this airs, it's possible it might be on Spotify. So check it out on Spotify first. But if it's not on there, uh, go to demand.bandcamp.com to check it out. Um I do think it does sound a lot like, uh, you know, like the description. I, I can certainly hear like some against the wall in there. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of hard stance. The vocals actually remind me a, a lot of beyond actually. Um, all four songs are killer. 
I think the last song, uh, which is Unload slash Dispose, is probably my favorite. It's it's kind of a mid-tempo, like, skank beat. And uh, the vocals just really bounce over the tempo, like, in a really cool way. And then, like, there's this part where, this part where the song, like, just slows down a lot. And the vocals on that part are really cool because he does kind of this different, like, actual singing. But it's still in the heart. Like, it's not like... I don't know. It doesn't sound like a, I don't know when, when someone says they're singing on a hardcore band, like the first thing or a hardcore song, I think I first thing I think of is like, um, you know, typo negative or, you know, no, but it gets or, all, Chris, it gets all like lifetime at the end. It's kinda, like, a, it's, it's a pretty weird left turn at the end is, of that, that last song. It is. It actually reminds me more of, of like early seaweed, but it's still, it's still rooted in hardcore and not like post hardcore. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's a weird kind of turn, but I actually really like it. And you know, it's, it's, it's one of those songs that when I get to the end of it and I hear that, I'm like, I got to listen to this again. So I rewind it and, you know, listen to all four songs again. It reminds me of fast. Yeah. It's strange strange because it just does that at the end. It's such a weird curveball. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I guess I just don't listen to much stuff that sounds like that. So my default yeah. is saying lifetime, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's such yeah. such a weird curveball at the end that like, God, you have no idea where the band is going to go because mm-hmm. the demo is so straightforward up into that point. Right. So you have four songs of like relatively straightforward hardcore. And then like, that's mm-hmm. just a, a strange end. Um, I love the singer's voice on this. Yeah, I think cool. it's so cool. He sounds like, like kind of like, perfect punk voice like perfect like 80s punk voice but it's over like straightforward hardcore which is really cool and uh i love the dog art you know put an animal on the cover dig that uh wish they didn't clip the ears you know just embrace the dog's true beauty (laughs) but uh and the the bass tone is like totally ill i absolutely love it and uh it has some real good moments that shine i love when bass comes out on records so like i think it's on the transition on the third song and I can't pronounce that song if I tried the, the title of it, but there's a transition when like the bass cuts out and then it goes fast and it's like super ill. And then also the bass really dances on that last song. The unload dispose song really shines through and it is sick. This is a cool demo. I think it's sick. Dan, what do you think about it? Are you talking about the song asceticism? <laughs> yes, professor sand. <laughs> No, because I really enjoyed this. Um, I've only, you know, had a chance to listen to it two or three times in the build up to this. I'm going to listen to it a lot more. I did listen to it the first time Chris sent it through. Um, but the the thing that I got from it, like driving around listening to it today, is like, and it, it's funny to mention them again. Kill. Uh, I mean, oh my god, my mind just went blank. Professor Sam is a dummy. Um, Been smoking Dynamite. that jade dust. <laughs> the, the thing I, one of the comments I said to myself, like while driving around listening to it, is like, it's like someone got a hold of Kid Dynamite and said, "All right, you have to be as fucking hardcore as you possibly can, you know, for the next record. Like, dare them to be really fucking hardcore, you know, and that." that's kind of what this sounds like to me because like you say, he's got a great punk voice riding over the 
the hardcore music and it sounds really great and i can't wait to you know more from the band and to listen to this more Edge, what's your take on this i i'm i got a little bit of beyond as well but it's so hard to pin down what it really reminds me of like beyond is just a poor approximation and it's like it sounds so familiar. It's not like it's not like they're coming out of left field and it's music that is a style I've never heard before. It's like East Coast style hardcore with breakdowns, you know? But it's I just can't think of who it reminds me of. And it I guess it doesn't I guess it doesn't remind me of anyone, but I love it. And I listened to it like four times today in a row. And um I looked up the definition of asceticism, and it is Severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. So it's almost like another way of saying straight edge. <laughs> shout out to the monks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the monks make Buckfast Super B and, and a couple other boozes, so be wary of those monks. <laughs> well, right on. This rules. Everyone check it out. Um, we're recording this a couple weeks in advance, so... Maybe it'll change and it'll be on Spotify and the playlist by then, but otherwise you got to check out the Bandcamp. It's demand.bandcamp.com. But just another reminder to everyone, there is a playlist for every episode. You can go to 185milesouth.com, click that playlist link at the top of the page, and check out the music that we are talking about because we love to blather on about this stuff, but it is all about the music. How do you do, fellow kids? What? How do you do, fellow kids? What? How do you do, fellow kids? All right, we're going to talk two of the newer big albums that have come out recently. The first one we're going to talk on is the One Step Closer LP. It is titled This Place You Know. And Chris, this gets you right in the feels, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah, this is this is my favorite record of the year so far. Um, in a year that, frankly, has had a lot of great records, um, and, and it was highly anticipated for me. Like I, I've been looking forward to this record for a long time. So the fact that it delivered, you know, just as hard as like that Akulu record delivered, um, that just speaks to the strength of it. Um, you know, it's certainly in the realm of of what people would kind of sardonically referred to as amazing core, but I think there's, there's still a lot of turning point in there. Um, it's just done through kind of like a post have heart post Bane post title fight even lens. Um, but like one example is like the use of Tom's uh, specifically on the song Pringle street. There's a part at one twenty seven where it has palm mutes and, it, it's like on the snare and Tom. And then when the guitar opens up from the palm mutes, like the, the drums kick into what we always kind of affectionately referred to as the wipeout beat on the toms in that move of like going from, you know, you know, into that like wipeout beat, that's vintage turning point. And uh, I don't know. It's that, that, that kind of stuff gets me super psyched. Dude, let me jump in on you real quick. Because mm-hmm. what? Where else are you going to get that kind of specific musical breakdown? Only on one eight five, motherfuckers. What's <laughs> up? Carry on. 
<laughs> I love that he dropped at minute 127. That was the illest thing ever, right? <laughs> on. You got to go listen to it because I'm not a drummer and I probably just butchered it. So <laughs> Pringle Street, 127, check it out. Once you pop, you cannot stop. <laughs> the lyrics on this record uh are really cool they're very they're much more poetic uh you know not like straightforward hardcore uh there's some really incredible lines on it i really like right before the breakdown of the first song uh he says as this earth spins so does the clock that takes us away um the lyrics are kind of vague but in in a good way like in a way that kind of allows you to apply them to your own you know the own stuff that you're facing like a lot of the the lyrics are about depression and isolation and um you know this was clearly a record that was written during like in in the you know midst of this covid stuff that we were going through um and even though the lyrics are kind of poetic and vague like you know enough to be able to say like yes yes i relate to this and I think that's really cool. Um, man, I could go on and on about this record. Like, I'll try to keep it brief. They do some really cool different things on this. Um, you know, piano, violin, the use of harmonics, you know, the clean backups. But it's, in my opinion, like it's done in a way that it kind of buries them a little bit in the mix, like just enough. So it's not like a jarring, like departure of genre. It's more like subtle atmospheric um, touches. And I, I don't know. I just think it's done really tasteful, tastefully. Um, standout tracks lead to gray is still probably my favorite one. That's the first single that they released from this. Um, but I would say a close second and maybe bound to like past lead to gray is the last song as the city sleeps. Um, it's a song about the opioid epidemic that Wilkes-Barre and frankly, like a lot of towns across this country are coping with. Um, so the lyrics are really cool, but it's just, there's a lot of creativity on this song too, that like makes it stand out. The chorus part has like these chokes, and the vocals just kind of bounce across the breaks between the guitars in a super cool way. And I really like the end, um, like the, the, the bridge to the end of the song has guest vocals from the dude from magnitude and his voice just sounds really cool on this. And it it works really well with uh, the singer of, of one step closer's vocals. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I could go on and on about this record, but I will stop and let someone else talk about it now. I think that that was a, a really fair comparison, like with the Ukulu, because both albums being very, very anticipated, and then both like dropping singles and the build up for it. And Ukulu and this band, both when I heard them, because this band did a seven inch first too, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, twelve inch EP, I think. A oh, twelve inch EP. Yeah, and I, w- I was like, th- these are both like LP bands. Like that's like the time for these bands to shine, and Akulu like blew me away. I wasn't like a, a huge fan of the Seven Inches. It just wasn't enough material for me to sink into like that style. And then the single was kind of like I actually really enjoy that song in the context of the LP, but I don't think it was like the banger single like this band put out. I really think that the 
the lead to Grey song off this, it was the first single, like Chris said, and it's like above and beyond the best song on here. It's pretty out of this world, like what they do with it, like kind of using like the, the un, like it's like an open string, like speed picking a little bit in the beginning. And then the main riff is just three notes. And so it's like when you're making something sound so epic and it's like going back to like total punk roots in the way of like, you're making something magical out of something so simple. Like that's really, really brilliant. And it sounds so powerful. Like the way it is. Like if, if you were a sloppo band and you do that riff, like it would sound like dog shit. Right. But they like totally knock it out of the park. It's wild. His voice sounds super urgent and great on all this stuff. I will say like the the clean singing I I really really don't like it it's just but there's no one that sings like that over heavy music that I like so that's a perf- personal preference thing not like a a judgment of what they're doing but that stuff takes me out of it where I wish it was just like that that great kind of monotone yelling voice the whole time but uh Killer Pan taking lots of risks on a first LP, you know, like hereafter is like a straight up ballad. So they went there, you know, like, like love it, bump it or dump it. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is. And I just, I, I really respect them for going there. They take a lot of risks here. I think it is a, a great effort, although not a hundred percent in my lane. Um, Dan, what's your take on this? Um, I actually think that they sound more turning point on the original 2019 release. And I feel like on this release, it is definitely, you know, Chris alluded to it. It's channeling a bit more of the Bane have heart and even more modern things like, uh, mill spec or, or, um, fiddlehead perhaps a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's, it's chock full of emotion. It's uh, very clever lyrics. That's what uh, I take from it even more than the music uh, approach. I, I I dived into the lyrics because I really enjoyed the lyrics on the first release. So I wanted to, you know, see what these songs were saying. And like Chris said, the last song um, about the opioid, uh, epidemic as well as uh the song chrysanthemum which is just a a grief stricken um song that is uh really powerful and then yeah my favorite song is the the one that you both like the best too so we've got some consensus there i think if if you're a fan of bane um and you haven't heard this band before i think you're gonna really just ravenously like enjoy this record um and if you haven't heard them before go back to their 2019 release too uh which i feel has a lot more of the turning point later turning point sound um you know the thursday etc um but it's a it's a great effort for a first full length and i you know i think this band is going to be the one like when you see them live, you're going to be like, Oh, it just kicked it up a notch. You know, the way that we were just talking about. 
other bands that we're hoping the live display is is as good as as the record you know it i mean enhances the record for you after seeing them live and i think that will probably happen for me i did watch their video of them playing um sound of fury back in 2019 and i you know i i love that but i wasn't in the room so i'm looking forward to um seeing them live at some point and i i you know yeah this is really good and i think um 185 listeners are gonna dive in and love it yeah i think this is gonna be one of the biggest hardcore bands like for sure because if if bane's breakup like left a a empty space in you you know and, and look the people that loved bane loved bane you know like it's like one step away from me fish or some shit you know, like people loved them and, and you know why, you know, like they're a creative band, Aaron, like wore his heart on his sleeve. And I think this band can like pick up a lot of that, you know, um, I saw them live in September. They were great, you know, and again, it's, it's like not a style I love and they played with like all bands I did really love, you know, they played with like Darren drain and terror. And so they're like the, the standout, like kind of genre in that bill and they killed it and people loved them. And that was in a small room. And I just think that they're going to sky's the limit for this band. They're really ambitious and, and they're really going for it. Ben, what's your take on this? I, I totally also get that rivalry record circa 2005 uh, vibe from Dude, them. For sure. If this band takes off, like, you know, Whitlow's got to fire up the old uh, the label again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have fit in with bands like Killing the Dream, Modern Life is War, and Go It Alone. And that song, Leave Me Behind, could totally be like a Bane song from that album, The Note, like mid-2000s Bane. But since they're doing this in 2021, they're not fitting in. And I think there's peer pressure within hardcore to keep it hard and heavy and avoid getting too emotional out of the fear of getting that scarlet E put on you. And I'm saying the peer pressure thing because I heard an interview with one of the guys in this band on another podcast. And he totally is like, you could hear that he talked about it. He talked about like, like uh, sort of like almost like an insecurity of like, man, I don't know how people are going to take us. And I know everyone wants to play, play heavy mosh parts right now in hardcore. And like, we're not, we're doing something a little different. And it's like, it's like an ambivalence, but not ambivalent enough to like not do this kind of music. They're obviously doing it. Um, and I think that like, if you're keeping that a thing alive, like for example, the first step was keeping the youth crew thing alive when very, very few bands were doing that in the early 2000s that does put you in a good position to like, if let's say this sound comes back in a big way, well, who's the band that they're all, everyone's looking towards It's one step closer. I don't hear that much turning point, uh, but you know, all, most of the bands I mentioned were trying to sound like turning point too. So you try to sound like a band, you're going to sound like other bands that are trying to sound like that band. You know, it's like the trick that someone explained to me, the trick to, to really trying to capture an era is try to sound like the era before that, because the era you're trying to capture is everyone looking back five years, which is totally true. Um, yeah. Ben completely. It's like when we were talking about 
the first step. It's like they're not doing youth today. They're doing youth of today through the mouth the mouthpiece filter. You know, right. and like these guys are doing they're doing turning point, but it's through like the have heart or the bane filter, right? Totally. And like um I'd say my criticism is that the there's a lot of sameness on the across the album. Like they're not um you know, like the f- I I can't pick out songs that sound super different than other songs. You know, I guess vari- like there's not uh, that much variety. Like you know what you're getting from from the first or second song, and the vocals are kind of like this. Cr- I call it cry yelling. It's like it's like you're yelling. It's of if you're yelling and crying at the same time, kind of kind of thing. <laughs> um, I mean, I like a I like bands that do that too. But it's very continuous, you know. Um, but as Zach likes to say, I'm rooting for them. So I'm I'm rooting for these guys, and I think um, they're going to come up with some good shit in the next couple years. Yeah, and in yeah, I think, I think that. Point, uh, oh, sorry. In regard to that point about the influence, I mean, yeah, the first step. You you can't help but take on board everything that's come before you even subconsciously, you know what I mean? Like you might like, of course there are some demo core bands that just literally go to be one thing. But other than that, like if you like a sound, you're kind of taking the entire like train, like every car on the train is that next era, next era, next era. And it's all like coming on board as influence, even if you are directly trying to be up in the first car, you know? Yeah, it's like try yeah, to sound like the try to sound like the Beatles without having Oasis in your music, or try to sound like um, uh, like Discharge without having tragedy seep through. It's like it's it's a really tough thing to do. Yeah, and and, and it's what makes like current music so good though too. It's oh, like yeah. it's all the building blocks, right? So it's it's like mm-hmm. you don't have to harken back. Like I mean, if you think about like stuff in eighty nine or eighty eight, like what is their influence? Like they have to go to a lot of weirdo stuff. And like, if you think about like the early punk, they're hearkening back to stuff that's like not punk, you know, but now it's like you have 40 years of stuff to build off of. Like you can really cherry pick moments from like all sorts of different sh- sub genres and make like really interesting things. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if you read interviews with these guys too, like they're, um, they're pulling in a lot of influences from lots of different places. Like I've seen them do interviews where, you know, they, they'll cite like a turning point, but also like cite boxcar racer or like sunny day real estate. Like they're pulling in all kinds of different influences. Um, you know, and when I heard, read some of those interviews, I, before the record came out, I was kind of like, Oh, I wonder, is this going to be a hardcore record or is this going to be where they kind of start the switch over to, you know, more of a band like anxious, which, some of those dudes are in. Um, but it, I mean, it's certainly definitely a hardcore, like you can hear all those little influences throughout it, but it's, I love that. It's just straight up hardcore still. Oh, this is definitely a hardcore LP. And you know, if they're influenced by boxcar racer, that means they're slightly influenced by OMDB. So, you know, you can't get more <laughs> hardcore than that. No, they so. skipped from built to last uh, boxcar racer. Sorry, OMDB. Um, <laughs> all right. You guys, one more thing on this band. If you guys want to feel real old, um, 
these kids, these guys are pretty young. Like this, I believe this is like they're in the generation that came up under title fight. So like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I remember when all those title fight kids were like, you know, Alex's little brother and, you know, little brothers. Title fight is a brand new band to me. So yes. (laughs) Well, as long as they're, let's move on and, as long as they're oh, fans Jesus. of the band Hyper, as long as they're fans of the title fight album Hyperview, I'm I'm down with that. All right, well, right on. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about the next record we're going to talk on, and that is the second Chubby and the Gang LP. It's called The Mutts Nuts, and it came out this year. And Ben, you were saying this is one of your favorite records of the year. What's up? Yeah, I think on this very podcast, I said that their first album was my favorite record of 2020. And here we are in 2021, and their second album has come out fairly recently. And it might be my favorite album of this year, too. So it's kind of like punk rock and roll. I've heard that term used many times over the years, and I think that is very fitting of this style of music. Um, some of these guys have mullets. I don't know how I feel about that, but it's all good. You listen to music. You don't look at music. Um, they're sort of like the halfway point between UK punk and ACDC, which is like a pretty good formula. Amel and the Sniffers do something similar down in Australia, but I like this band so much more than Amel and the Sniffers. Um, to me, like their standout tracks are coming up tough which is very ACDC sounding and pressure, which is a little more up-tempo and it's got some wah-wah pedal abuse towards the end. And then there's this like slide guitar rager called lightning. Don't strike twice. And it's got this like rolling stones style breakdown. Like the song gets slow and it's like, this sounds like it could be like a rolling stone song from 1970. And then it starts picking up and getting fast again. And they do three ballads on this album and two don't really work for me, but, but one of them might be the best song on the album, which is I, I, I hate the radio. So I appreciate that they're willing to take the gamble on slower songs because that gamble paid off with I hate the radio. And it's really tough to write a good punk song that is slow. It's almost an oxymoron. You know what defines punk? It's like fast music. So it's really hard to do that. So I appreciate it when it works. And I know a few people who are turned off by the vocals, but they don't bother me at all. Um, and that my only very minor criticism is that the cover art of this album looks very similar to the cover art of their first album. And there's like a fine line between having a consistent look to your art and then having all your art look the same. And so I always have to like read the title of the record as I'm looking at it to re- to figure out like what record am I looking at right now? And, um, but this is like totally not a sophomore slump at all. And it's really hard to do when there's only like a year and a half between your first two albums. Usually what happens when the band has a very short period of time to write a lot of songs as a follow-up is they run out of ideas, but, this is a great album, so that didn't happen here. Yeah, my standout uh, back-to-back songs on this are the Someone's Gonna Die and Getting Beat Again. <clears throat> it's just two like really good up-tempo songs back-to-back that are probably just in like the straight pop-punk vein. 
is really catchy, really good. And yeah, I mean, like if you like the first one, it seems like you like the second one. Chris, how do you feel about this one? And then also, how do you compare it to the first one? Good question. Um, so when I first put this on, it really didn't grab me at first, at first listen, at first listen. And my first impression was that it wasn't as good as the last record. Um, and then to kind of compound that this record came out a week after the dare record and the ingrown record came out. So like I was still heavily listening to both of those records and it was kind of like a, you know, put it on. Eh, it's good. I'm going to go back and listen to that, that ingrown and dare record again. Um, so, you know, it, that was kind of my opinion for a couple, you know, couple weeks, couple months until I came back to it. And, you know, as I, as I listened to it more, it kind of made re- me remember that the first record didn't really grab me until the first few listens. And this one's kind of the same, you know, like the first record, I listened to it a couple times. And then literally one day I was walking the dog and I had it on my headphones and I was like, this is incredible. Like, you know, it, like the brilliance just hit me. And this this record kind of I, I had a similar progression with it. Um, probably a little bit more gap between just because of that dare and ingrown record have been spinning so heavily. But um, the other thing too, there's a lot of songs on this. I could certainly do. There's a few that I could do without, but there's a lot of just like straight up hits on this record. You know, there's a lot more. There's a lot more rock and roll. Um, but. I think, you know, Ben mentioned the the vocals. Um, I, I like the singer, but I do think that his vocals are what kind of keeps it rooted in punk. Whereas, you know, if there was a singer that had more range and really just kind of belted out like a lot of highs and a lot of lows, like it, it would take it out of that punk and put it more in, you know, like the Thin Lizzy or like Rose Tattoo Lane. Um there's a couple songs on here that could be like straight up Beatles songs. Like I hate the radio certainly could be a Beatles song. Um, Life's lemon maybe has like a little bit of like fifties doo-wop thrown in there too. Uh, my standout track is life on the Bayou, which is, I believe on uh, the back half of the record, like the B side, but this is probably my favorite chubby track to date. Again, you know, it's a lot more straight up rock and roll and less punk. But what I love about the song is the chorus is so catchy, like unbelievably catchy. And then there's this part where the pianos kick in and it just kind of takes it up to the next level. And the song does a thing that I hate with very few exception, where it basically has a fake ending. And you're like, okay. And and it ends like right where you think like a good punk or hardcore song should end. And then they come back again for it. And, and, you know, nine out of 10 times, 19 out of 20 times, like, uh, you know, I'm of the opinion that it probably just should have ended when it ended. But for this one, I love it. Like, because that part is maybe my favorite, like chubby part of any song. The fact that I get like bonus rounds of it just i love it like it's just straight up fire um what <laughs> daniel will appreciate that but bonus points for referencing brentford 
Uh, so shout out to people just do nothing. I assume that the Brentford Bayou that he talks about is where Beats takes his grown son Craig to go fishing. <laughs> Bang! Lyrical blow to the jaw. How about that? All right, Dan, what's your take? Shout out to Steve's nan. Um, <laughs> I don't like it as much as the first LP. That being said, I still like it a lot. Um, the first LP I absolutely loved. This has a lot more variety on it, but as Ben said, there are a couple missteps. Like, like I agree with Ben. Two of those ballads don't really work that well. Um, Which two? Same two? Yeah, Life's Lemons and uh, Take Me Back to London or whatever. Um, not that not that great. Um, I really like the the beginning of the LP. I like the uh, on the meter and beat that drum. I love uh, the Mutz Nuts title track, and then you know coming up tough, which is essentially a reworking of Disco 2000 by Pulp, which is essentially a reworking of Gloria by Laura Branigan. <laughs> so it, listen to all three of those songs if you if you want to nerd out, because they all have the same, you know, features. Um, but it's a really catchy song. Just the one thing that they've, they've suffered from on the sophomore thing is songs are too long and the LP is too long for me, but I love it (laughs) still. I listen to it (laughs) a lot. It's so weird, but what I loved about the production on the first LP is it harnessed his vocals to perfection. Like it, 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 the vocals were a little bit too low in the mix, but it almost was just another instrument in the output of the band with this, like on the things where the vocals are like, there's a song called uh, white rags, which has incredibly great lyrics, but the song is fucking unlistenable for me, even though the lyrics are really great. Um, So that's a skipper for me. Um, There's a lot of, Thin Lizzy bluesy uh, leads and riffs that were more undertones, jam, power pop on the first LP, and they're a bit more bluesy and a little bit more like, let me show you my chops on this LP. And, like, you know, they've been a band longer, they're expressing themselves more, and they're trying to not just give you. Exhibit A again, but some of us want Exhibit A again, you know. Anyway, I'll be seeing them really soon, so I will come back with a scene report. Hell yeah. One thing, you mentioned the length of this record, and earlier on the pod we were talking about Boys from the Black stuff being 41 minutes and 21 seconds. This Chubby record is 42 minutes and 52 seconds, so it's more than a minute longer. I noticed that too. (laughs) I noticed that too. It's a long boy. It's a long boy. Yep. All right. Well, right on. Check out these two records. There are samples on the playlist for this episode, and they are both on Spotify. Order that vinyl as well. Handle business, people. The 
fight lasts for hours, each ram battering the other dozens of times. Head to head. All right, we are going head to head. This year, two great split seven inches came out, but I'm taking the best side of each split and putting them against each other. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm taking the pain of truth side of the pain of truth age of apocalypse split seven inch, and I'm taking the gridiron side of the uh, the gridiron despise split seven inch worldwide brotherhood they both came out this year and ben this is your favorite style of hardcore so uh <laughs> we'll send it to you first do you want you like pain of truth more or you like gridiron more well let's start with gridiron um the song creepin is a hip-hop instrumental and i'm trying to figure out if it would qualify as socal g-funk or bay area mob music some of these guys are from detroit so maybe they're fans of michigan and great mc breed Rest in peace. Uh, moving on to the song Ain't Turned Mine. That sounds like uh, the 311 singer rapping over double kick drum metal. And then Cookie Monster grabs the mic from the 311 guy and yells over some halftime mosh metal. The song Triple Threat sounds like the song that came just before it. And it has pick harmonics and a Slayer riff underneath the ridiculously loud double kick beat. So the bass drum pedal is the star of the band. Moving on to Pain of Truth, Blood on Your Hands pretty much sounds like the same band as Gridiron if someone stole their double kick bass drum pedal. And then Zach Oxnard makes a guest vocal appearance at the 1 minute 40 second mark of the song. And and oh shit, and oh shit, 2 minutes 29 seconds in, and they stole the double bass drum pedal back. Um, there's, there's a movie sample. There's a movie sample at the end that I don't recognize. Soprano sample. Oh, it's Sopranos. Okay, because I was I was wondering I if it was, was, I was Bronx, I thought it was Bronx Tale. No, no, I think it's Sopranos where Christopher's getting made. Okay. I burn in hell if I betray my friends. Um and I, I was hoping it was a mobster movie, and judging by the accent, there's a good chance of that. And thank you that if either of you are right, it is it is a mob related show. Um very ignorant. <laughs> And then moving on to the song Scarred, it has a good igno speech halfway through it, something about brotherhood and naming where they're from and the word motherfucker getting thrown around. Um, I wonder if these guys are tight with the band Tsunami. So I guess I'm picking... Oh, they are. Okay, good. I guess I'm picking Gridiron because that hip-hop intro fits into my chug-free lifestyle. All right, one vote for Gridiron. Uh this gridiron recording is so perfect for the genre. It's so clean. You can hear everything. And the dude's flow is really catchy. And the songwriting is pretty interesting. Like, it's like the first verse. It's just like two verses that repeat themselves, right? It's like first verse and then a second verse. And then it goes back into the first verse. Then it goes into the second verse. But they're both kind of catchy. But there's no, like, real chorus. It's really cool. I enjoy it. The Triple Threat song, um... Yeah, it's definitely like a they they lifted a Slayer thing for sure, and it's cool. But the recording's amazing, and it's just really catchy for the genre. It's everything I like about the genre. It's so easy to listen to. You're banging your head, 
tempo changes. I don't know. I really like it. I think it's great. And the art is like a total like E-Town throwback. It looks like the Fuck the World 7-inch. So it's pretty cool. The Pain of Truth, the recording is not as good. It's actually kind of a weird recording, I think. Like the the guitar sounds a little fuzzy. and uh, But I do like they almost throw it back to the piccolo snare. Like it sounds like it's almost piccolo, but they don't go all the way there. Probably because on the second song, they do have a fast part. And the the piccolo snare works really well on anything but a fast beat, where it's just way too much. Um but I think Pain of Truth, like their their songwriting is again really awesome. They have some dual vocals. I don't know what's going on there. And normally I hate that, but I think it really works here. Any other time I can think of where bands have like a lot of vocals going on in this style, it's like it would be better off with just one singer. But this really works, and I like I like both guys' voices a lot. Um Blood on Your Hands, great intro. And the song is very bouncy and it goes between bounce and beat down two things that I love. And then scarred. This is probably my favorite song of the four. Uh, it's got a fast part, which is really good. Then goes to like a beat down tempo. And then it goes fast again, like a really short amount of time before it goes to the breakdown. And that's like a hardcore trope. I love uh, there's a Madball song on hold it down. That does that. It's like you go verse chorus half verse. And then into the breakdown I think it's like a really underrated way to write a song. And uh, yeah, when they do like the long ring out on the breakdown, it's sick. Cause like they ring it out and then they bring in like the strumming and then the drummer, he does like some pretty quick little tricks. Like he'll go to the ride for like a, like an instant. And I don't know. There's just a lot going on here. I think it's really, really creative songwriting for the genre, like basically apex beat down, you know, and it's great. I am going to go with the pain of truth and it's because I think that the song scarred is the best of all these songs. Although I love the gridiron song ain't turned mine. I love both these bands. So uh, yeah, we got one for gridiron, one for pain of truth. Dan, what's your take? Well, first off, Ben, there ain't no future in your front end um, because it's not just an instrumental. They're going gridiron, baby. <laughs> on there as well <laughs> I, i'm uh, glad you got the the mc breed reference yeah <laughs> yes um the gridiron songs are really fucking igno and that's exactly what is um well i mean you just look at graffiti dude hold, holding uh craps on snake eyes with a gun you you know what you're getting <laughs> like no matter what you want like a smoking this, gun too yes it's been discharged yeah. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. um it's really really um really well done um let's call it god what what would the the description be um tech vest <laughs> bubble vest uh core you know thin thin uh goatee core <laughs> like do you know what i mean like a very thin chin strap beard bubble vest <laughs> um mean look in the eyes and uh you know these are the dudes that are about to r- 
hit you so hard in the pit that members of your family are going, ah! <laughs> um, so Gridiron really lay it down for this. Um, but Pain of Truth, they have do two things on their songs that I absolutely love so much. First and foremost, they do the we're going to take a break from the regular vocal program of this song to give you the tsunami style, like, yo, just so you know, we're blah, 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 like the, almost like the, this is what it is, like check in, which I, I, I love it. I love that stuff. And then you talked about the two vocals going at once. It's almost like harmony, the way that the really deep vocal and the main singer's vocal are doing the same lyrics at the same time it sounds great together um whereas like you say normally that would be awful um pain of truth takes it for me although i really enjoyed both but (laughs) a special uh nod to me thinking that it when we first started listening to this as part of this like program to do tonight that I didn't know it was a Pain of Truth split. And then the third song comes on by Age of Apocalypse. I'm like, wow, they took a left turn on this one. (laughs) Whoa, this is very different. And then, you know, figured out it was a split and uh, that Age of Apocalypse, some wild stuff. Uh, Pain of Truth takes down Gridiron for me, but I enjoyed both. And, now I'm going to order both seven inches and glue them together to make it a split of these two bands. Yeah, epic split. All right, Chris, let's go to you. Uh, this is an interesting debate because these are two bands that you listen to the record, these recordings, these bands don't really sound like each other. You're not going to listen to one, one and get it confused with the other. But, you know, if you were to you know, break down what they sound like, you might use the exact same words, you know, modern beat down vocals are bouncy, almost wrapped with, you know, catchy beat down lyrics. that are true to the genre. Both have backup vocals that are even more gnarly than the, the rapping kind of style singer, you know, more in like that hate breed uh, vein than the lead vocals. Um, you know, lots of overly slow, palm mutes with uh you know choked notes that give a lot of space in between the guitar hits um you know tasteful touch of metal leads um you know if if i gave you that description you wouldn't be able to tell me which of these two bands i was talking about um but again they sound they sound quite different when you listen to them um but these are both grade a beatdown bands uh you wouldn't catch me anywhere near a pit for either of these bands at (laughs) at this stage of my life, but I would absolutely find the best, you know, viewing spot that I could to just safely watch my friends just beat the ever loving hell out of each other um, with a giant smile on my face. Um, So what we have here, basically the way that Zach set it up is the second round in a March madness style (laughs) <laughs> beat down uh bracket and these two bands uh, chris don't you dare call it a beat off <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> I, 
I don't even know where to go for. I just I'm gonna shut it down. All right, turn it over to you guys. Um, <laughs> you gotta be helpful. I know, I know. So both of these bands have have gotten out of the first round. You know, no disrespect to Despise or Age of Apocalypse. Both of those are sick. Um, these are just that next level. <laughs> the funny thing is, we're going into overtime because I'm gonna take Gridiron. Uh, we're gonna have to get Joe in here or something. Episode one to come. Uh, take it to overtime, but <laughs> I think both of these sound great for the genre. Um, but I personally like the gridiron recording a lot better. Like Zach, you, you nailed it. Like it's brighter, it's more present. And, and for me, stylistically, I just, I appreciate that more than like the pain of truth is, is a good recording, but it's, it's a lot of deeper low end, um, which is also, you know, a production style, but you know, the gridiron, production style just hit hits me more um may i may i uh just talk about gridiron again uh for a sec because yeah, no let's talk, let's talk about it all day <laughs> okay well <laughs> let, let me just let me hit two more things real quick yeah uh i also love on gridiron when the backup vocals uh on the song triple threat i love when the backup vocalist bounces double time uh that's like one of my favorite beat down vocal moves is when they go double time over it. Um, and then, you know, also shout out pain of truths. Uh, Scarred is, is a killer song and respect for a beat down song that leads with a fast riff. Yeah. I, I think that just before you jump in, Dan, like these, these are like superb songs of this genre. And again, I got to give more shine to that. That gridiron recording is like perfect for the genre, but both these bands, like they're writing like short, concise, catchy songs. Like a lot of the bands of like the beatdown genre, like they can really like great on you. Like the songs can be too long, right? Like I don't think hate breeds a beatdown band, but I'm going to use them as, as an example. Satisfaction is the death of desire comes out and it's a perfect album because all the songs are short, right? It's like, they're so in the hardcore vein because all the songs are under two minutes, you know? And, and a lot of the bands that like did the tough style after heat breed, like they forgot that part. And that was like one of the parts that made it so spectacular was it was this short bursts of fury. And I think that both these bands, like they kind of channel that in a way, not that they sound like he breed at all, but like these songs are really short. They get the ideas out and they move on to the next one. And then also like the way that they've both released music, it hasn't been like a ton of songs. Like I'm not having to like fight my way through like 10 songs to find the three good ones. It's just like both these bands, every song they put out are just bangers. Like I absolutely love these bands. Dan, sorry. One thing I was going to say is uh, the thing about Gridiron. Well, they're made up of of all your favorite bands too, Zach. You know, Never Ending Game, Year of the Knife, and Payback dudes are all in this band. But the one thing, like, yes, they are a modern beatdown band in 2021, but they're also like the the next in line to the throne of of um, Jesus Christ, District Nine. Because they've got like some District Nine like YOLO ness to them. Um, when I listened to it, I was like, "This is giving me District Nine vibes," even though it's also giving me twenty twenty one very heavy beat down like 
what is popular now, you know, but listen to it again and like think about District 9, like especially like payback, vocal delivery, and it there's something there with it. Well, yeah, because those bands they get lumped into beatdown, but they're not right, like District 9 or E Town or uh, Cold as Life, and all of those bands have like full YOLO in them, like E-Town at the end of Shady, like it going like that going back and forth between like a fast beat and a bounce beat of the end. Uh Cold as Life doing like that scissor beat at the beginning of Little From the World, like just in like short bursts. Like there's so much YOLO and like the apex of like hardcore is that. It's just doing some wild shit in short creative bursts that works. And it doesn't matter what style you're doing, but like that is the secret sauce and bands across all different genres channel it in different ways. And the great ones are able to do it. Well, you know, I was, I was really hoping that you would like, like a little bit of this Ben, just in a way like where, Oh, this is catchy where I don't like the style, but like, it's not boring. You know what I mean? Like, was it boring to you or is it grading or like, what does it like sound like to a fan that doesn't like the genre? At all, because like I can listen to like Jade Dust, right? Where it's one of my least favorite genres of music, and at least like listen to it and be like, these guys seem really competent in what they do. And like, here's one song I like that kind of like like tickles me in the right spot. You don't get any of that. I, the the thing that tickles me is imagining you listening to this these bands, and then like like getting so stoked like oh man oh that that part that bass drum pedal part and the fucking mosh part at the end and like just imagining zach being like fuck yeah like that part like just imagining that is cool to me but hearing the music on its own just it's just like the opposite like what what kind of music does ben like okay well let's reverse engineer it and then make everything the exact opposite of what ben said you get this like it's the opposite of what i like in every respect. Like, okay, they used guitar, bass, and drums, and vocals. So instrumentally, that they have that in common with music that I like. But what they're playing, how it sounds, what they're singing, literally everything is like the reverse of what I like. But you like Double Kick when Beyond does it. They're the only band. But you're right. All right. There's one band. Even, <laughs> and then even Beyond actual Double heavy metal bands. so weird. Yeah, even uh, um, even like Judas Priest, you know, when they did uh, Painkiller in 1990, and they were doing double bass drum, and people love Painkiller. Like Judas Priest is back. Like the uh, that Turbo album was fucking weak, and this shit it rules. Like when I listen to that, I'm like, ah, they fucked Judas Priest up with double kick pedal too. Like I just hate that Turbo shit. was so weak. It was weak. Turbo no, 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 sucked. it was. But Painkiller, it's like. <laughs> I can't, I can't hang. I can't hang with that shit. Well, <laughs> well, they do say strong Island, Ben. So you got to love that. Pain of truth. Oh, that's stuff. true. Uh, that's true. And can we, uh, can we insert a new one, eight, five term for the, the piccolo drum that is not quite piccolo. Can it be flute drum? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, Cassie Piccolo, a.k.a. the flute drum. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right, well, right on. Uh, this is a fun episode. It's great talking new music with all you dudes. And uh, everyone, check out the playlist, 185milesouth.com. Click that playlist link at the top. 
and listen to the music that we talked about this episode because that's what it's all about. And we will uh, talk to you all on Monday. Boom.